This is the Daily Signal podcast for Tuesday, September 18th. I'm Kate Trinko. And I'm Daniel Davis. Well, a last-minute accusation against Brett Kavanaugh is putting his Supreme Court confirmation on edge. We'll sit down with Daily Signal reporter Rachel Del Judas, who's been closely covering the story, and get her take on what to expect in the coming days. Plus, a new study shows the effects religion has on kids when it comes to drugs and sexual activity. We'll unpack the findings. But first, we'll cover a few of the top headlines. In a strongly worded statement released Monday, Brett Kavanaugh denied the accusation of sexual misconduct levied against him this weekend. Quote, this is a completely false allegation. I have never done anything like what the accuser describes to her or to anyone. Because this never happened, I have no idea who was making this accusation until she identified herself yesterday. Kavanaugh also said he would testify. Quote, I am willing to talk to the Senate Judiciary Committee in any way the committee deems appropriate to refute this false allegation from 36 years ago and defend my integrity. Well, in the wake of the accusation, the White House says the accuser should be heard. On Monday, Kellyanne Conway, counselor to President Trump, said this on Fox and Friends. Well, this woman should not be insulted and she should not be ignored. I think the Senate is headed to a reasonable approach in that it seems to me, and speaking to a few senators, including Senator Lindsey Graham, that allowing this woman to be heard in sworn testimony, allowing Judge Kavanaugh to be heard in sworn testimony about these specific allegations would be added to the very considerable mountain of evidence and considerations that folks will have when they weigh whether or not to vote for Judge Kavanaugh to be on the Supreme Court. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley echoed those sentiments, saying that Ford deserves to be heard and that the committee will, quote, hear her out in an appropriate, precedented and respectful manner. Christine Blasey Ford is willing to testify publicly before the Senate Judiciary Committee, according to her lawyer, Deborah Katz. On NBC's Today Show Monday, Katz stressed the seriousness of her client's allegations. She alleges um, a sexual assault back in high school. One of the therapists notes from a few years ago when she recounted this states that it was an attempted rape. My question to you is, does she consider this an attempted rape? She does. Um, She clearly considers this an attempted rape. She believes that if it were not for the severe intoxication of Brett Kavanaugh, she would have been raped. Well, Republican senators are not happy with Democrats for the process of how this accusation came about. Senator Grassley said that Senator Dianne Feinstein of California, quote, has had this information for many weeks and deprived her colleagues of the information necessary to do our jobs. The minority withheld even the anonymous allegations for six weeks, only to later decide that they were serious enough to investigate on the eve of the committee vote after the vetting process had been completed, end quote. Republican Senator Susan Collins, who's considered a key swing vote, also knocked the Democrats. She told the New York Times, quote, What's puzzling to me is the Democrats, by not bringing this out earlier, after having had this information for more than six weeks, have managed to cast a cloud of doubt on both the professor and the judge. 23 deaths are attributable to Hurricane Florence, 6 in South Carolina, and 17 in North Carolina. Meanwhile, there continues to be significant risk of additional flooding for days or possibly longer. 
The Wall Street Journal reported there could be as much as 40 inches of rain thanks to the hurricane in some parts of North Carolina. Well, Time Magazine has been sold to billionaire Mark Benioff, CEO of the software company Salesforce. Benioff bought Time for $190 million. Interestingly, he told the New York Times in an exclusive interview that he didn't even know two weeks ago that he wanted to buy it. So uh, I guess he just wanted to buy some time, you say? <laughs> uh-huh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, definitely interesting, though, watching all these tech people who, as far as I know, have no background in journalism, snap up outlets. <laughs> Although you could sort of argue they can't really do any worse than the people who do know stuff about journalism. So You know, time has fared better than Newsweek in terms of like a legacy mag- news magazine. Like, didn't Newsweek go out... I have completely lost. I believe Newsweek still has a digital presence. They do reprint some of the Daily Signal's content. I don't know if (laughs) they have a print presence or not. Well, if you were hoping to work this Christmas season, you're in luck. Retailers are frantic to hire enough employees. JCPenney is going to offer part-time employees a week of paid vacation, according to the Wall Street Journal, which also reported that Target anticipates hiring 120,000 employees. That's up 20% more from last year. And both UPS and FedEx are anticipating hiring tens of thousands of employees this Christmas to help deliver all those packages. So if this is something you're interested in, it's a good time. Well, up next, we'll talk to Rachel Del Judas about the controversy over the Brett Kavanaugh allegation. Want to learn how to podcast from some of the best in the business? Then you'll want to register for the Leadership Institute's Conservative Podcasting School on October 15th and 16th in Arlington, Virginia. The Heritage Foundation and The Daily Signal are proud sponsors of this event. Sign up today at leadershipinstitute.org. And as a listener of this podcast, you can get $10 off. Just use Book Club as the promo code. Can't make it in person? The training will also be streamed live. Again, it's leadershipinstitute.org. Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh is under fire after an accusation emerged from a woman who knew him in high school, Christine Blasey Ford. Ford spoke to the Washington Post, which published her account this weekend. The Post described what she said was the alleged assault. We're not going to get too far into the details, but she alleged that there was groping. And the Post reported, quote, when she tried to scream, she said he put his hand over her mouth. I thought he might inadvertently kill me, said Ford, now a 51-year-old research psychologist in Northern California. He was trying to attack me and remove my clothing. Joining us today to discuss this story and what it means for Kavanaugh's nomination is Rachel Del Judas, a reporter with The Daily Signal. Rachel, can you tell me about this letter that was released last week by women who knew Kavanaugh when he was in high school? Yeah, so this letter uh, was released by, I believe it was 65 women who have known Judge Kavanaugh for 35 years, knew him when they were in high school and he was in high school. And it basically just details that he was a very um, just well-respected young person that they respected, that uh, they knew him through social events, through sporting events, through church and other activities, and that a lot of these women are still close friends with him today, and that looking back on knowing him in high school, they basically just said, we have to vouch for his character because we knew him when he um, was when this uh, 
apparent alleged incidents occurred. And the letter just says, we don't know how this could have been perpetrated by this man that we knew this. And even if it was high school, they were just saying we can't imagine that he would have done something like this. So this letter was released Thursday before the um, the act. The accuser went on record and gave her name. Uh, her name wasn't known last week. It was anonymous accusation. However, as far as I'm aware of, none of the women have taken off their signatures or anything. And Rachel, I believe you were actually able to speak to one of the women who signed the letter. Yes, I did speak to one of them. And she... Um, it was interesting what she had to say. She said, I'm not going to get into basically the timing of how this has all come down because she said, I feel very strongly that's essentially politically motivated. But she's like, I don't want to get into that because no one really cares. She I'm sorry, said, can you give her us her name? Sure. Her name is Missy Carr. Sorry. She's 51 and she graduated uh, in 1985 from Georgetown Visitation High School. And she said that she knows um, both, she knew both Brett Kavanaugh and Mark Judge, who was also this person who was in this room when this alleged incident occurred. And she said that she can't ever imagine uh, these, either Brett or Mark, being in an instance where something like this would have happened. She said they were both men of character. And she said that Judge Kavanaugh, then, you know, she calls him Brett. Um, she still calls him Brett. She was saying she, he put so much stock into what he wanted to do as a young person. And he structured his life around wanting to become a lawyer and studying and history and law and all of that. And she said she can't imagine him uh, ever, either of them being in any kind of situation like this. She said there are some students that she did know in other circles that she's like, yeah, you know, I could maybe see that happening. But she said even under um, the influence of alcohol. She could never see Judge Kavanaugh in a situation like uh, Christine Blasley Ford uh, alleged. Yeah, those testimonies definitely coincide with the reputation that he's had for so many years, you know, when he was working at the White House and, and on the, the federal court that he currently sits on. Um, you know, you, you never had these accusations, anything like it. Um, but so I understand, Rachel, that, that, that Planned Parenthood and some other groups, activist groups, are now getting involved um, in this controversy, really hyping things up. Tell us what you know about that. Yeah. So I was curious and Planned Parent had a conference call. So I jumped on and listened to a little bit of it. And essentially their director of like uh, political outreach, um, Dawn Lagoons, her, she was just saying that we need to stop this nomination right now because of these allegations that have come out. He's unfit to serve. And she called the uh, allegations specific and documented, which, I mean, if you read the piece in the New York Post, it's somewhat specific, but there were still missing details that I believe that the Senate Judiciary Committee is going to have to nail down. Right, just so, to be clear, Washington Post, not New York you. Post. I know, it's so confusing. <laughs> All of the posts. But th there's still some details that have to be nailed down. So a lot of them, I believe NARAL was also on the call, People for the American Way, uh, the NAACP, and the gist of the call was that... Um, <laughs> he should basically be canceled because that's the new, I believe the women's March they're having their new hashtag is cancel Kavanaugh. Um, so that was the gist of it. And something else that was interesting, one other person on the call said that um, Christine Blasley Ford shouldn't even be forced to testify, which I think, I mean, if, if these allegations have come out, she's, you know, already come out with her name and these details have become, you know, widely apparent that she should testify because that's kind of what the, I mean, that's what the American people need to know. That's what the Senate Judiciary Committee needs to know. And I thought it was interesting that they're saying, oh, well, wait, she shouldn't even have to testify. So. Well, Ford's lawyer has said she's she willing yes, to testify. Which is so good. I fully expect we'll be hearing from her. Yeah. And I think, you know, given that 
at least as far as I'm aware of, there's it's it's really her testimony that is the only evidence, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems appropriate that she should have to speak out. But, you know, I think it's telling that you spoke about, you know, right now, all these lefty groups that are already organized. We, of course, have seen throughout this nomination that they have tried to organize against Kavanaugh in a series of different ways. There was the initial somewhat laughable, like, oh, he has a name like a frat boy or a waiter at a, what was that Stephen Colbert thing, TGI Fridays or something? Oh, yeah. But then, but then it sort of hardened into this thing, well, he's against women. And, you know, it's just been striking how they've just promulgated that narrative, given that, you know, he had hired far more female clerks than most of his peers. The Daily Signal, of course, profiled some of those women and talked to them about their stories and what it was like to work for him. He mm-hmm. seems like he was a great boss. He helped um, a mom with a toddler make sure she could balance family and work, among other things. So, yeah, the left has not really shown an interest in fair play here. Of course, there's always the specter of Bill Clinton. And if you believe all women, how is that still happening? But anyway... Uh, I'm going into a rant, Rachel, I believe. Uh, Some on the right are also activated. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So some on the right are activated. And one of those groups uh, is the Judicial Crisis Network. And uh, news came out today that they are working to, they're going to be announcing, I don't think it's been officially announced yet, but they're working to announce a $1.5 million ad campaign featuring a longtime uh, uh, friend of Judge Kavanaugh. This, the identity of this friend, at least as of yet, is not known yet. Um, but JCN said that we are not going to allow a last-minute smear campaign to destroy a good and decent man who has an unblemished personal record. So that's going to be probably out um, very soon. So the chairman, uh, Grassley, has said that he, he wants to hear from Ms. Dr. Ford and the White House has also said that she, that she deserves to be heard. What do you expect? Uh, what should we expect this week in terms of of hearing from her? I have a feeling that she will end up talking before the Senate Judiciary Committee. They'll probably question her. I also think it's likely that they might question Kavanaugh as well. And it's I think it's possible right, and he, too. He has said he is also willing he, to yes. Go. He has yeah. said that yeah. he's willing um, to talk. I also think that there may be some of, for example, like the signers um, of this letter of the um, women who knew him in high school. I have a feeling maybe a few of them might be called upon or volunteer to testify. I haven't heard specifically if that's going to happen, but I think definitely for sure um, we will be hearing from Dr. Ford, and I'm certainly sure we're going to be hearing also from Judge Kavanaugh. So. And I think it's also important to remember one of the points that both, uh, you know, the White House's Kellyanne Conway and Senator Grassley were making was that, you know, Kavanaugh has um, gone through, I think, six times FBI vetting. He has been vetted before. Um, He has very good markings from the American Bar Association, which I believe does look at things like character. You know, he's been a public figure. He's He was appointed to, you know, the circuit court, I believe started serving in 06. Like he's been through Senate hearings. So, you know, I think you got to take allegations like these seriously, but it does seem very out of character from his long record here. And it's also odd, I believe. I think, I mean, I know she came forward um, privately, but I believe Senator Feinstein's office knew about this since July. So it's kind of I mean, just the whole right. issue of timing again. Yep. It just seems... It's just, it's odd, but that's what we'll, and we're going to hear about this in the, in these, you know, in a hearing or a questioning that I'm sure they're going to end up having. Um, 
Yeah, but that's a great point that, you know, Senator Feinstein's office was aware of these allegations. I believe they were also made through another Democrat lawmaker, House member, Mm -hmm. Representative Anna Eshoo. And, you know, there were lots of ways for the Democrats to have brought this up for, you know, I mean, Republicans certainly would want to have understood what the allegations were about. And it does seem that given that we have very prominent hearings Mm -hmm. where Senator Feinstein could have asked, you know, Kavanaugh anything related to it or whatever. um, She had the letter. Right. (laughs) During the hearings. Right. And even if I believe she said she, the, at that time Ford didn't want to come forward and she didn't want to violate her confidence. Well, she could have said, you know, do you have any incidents of misbehavior in high school? Have mm-hmm. you ever assaulted a woman or so? I mean, there were ways to get at this. I don't know. Did she try to persuade Ford to come forward? I have no idea. Yeah, it does seem odd and not the most professional that at the 11th hour, this would sort of come out. We'll have to see what, what comes down. Well, Rachel, thanks so much for filling us in and joining us. Thank you so much. Do you have an opinion that you'd like to share? I'm Rob Bluey, Editor-in-Chief of The Daily Signal, and I'm inviting you to share your thoughts with us. Leave us a voicemail at 202-608-6205 or email us at letters at dailysignal.com. Yours could be featured on The Daily Signal podcast. Well, a new study published in the American Journal of Epidemiology shows a religious upbringing could make for a much healthier child. One of the lead researchers, Tyler Vanderweel of Harvard, said a religious upbringing helps protect against substance abuse and depression and contributes to higher levels of of happiness and volunteering and a lower chance of, let's say, risky sexual behavior. Kate, what do you make of these studies' findings? I mean, I think in the one sense, they're not surprising. Most religions encourage a lifestyle that doesn't include drugs and risky sexual behavior. So that would make sense. Um, At the same time, I just found it interesting, like some of the findings were. So if um, teenagers meditated, if they prayed, um, one of the stats was, uh, quote, 47% more likely to have a sense of mission and purpose. That's according to the Today write-up of um, the study. And... I guess on the one hand, that's obvious, but on the other hand, there does seem to be such a sense of people adrift in our culture right now. And I think that extends to the youth, um, to use an old fashioned word, the youth. And I think that this is something that should give maybe non-religious parents pause, assuming that they don't have intellectual reasons against religion. And think about, is this something, you know, to give your child a greater sense of purpose? Is it Maybe is there an inherent reality here that this is what we are meant to do and hence that's being recognized in these kids? I also think that um, one of the things that sort of struck me on a somewhat different note during the Me Too movement when it was really picking up steam last fall was the accounts of women who, um, you know, certainly didn't deserve to be treated the way they alleged they were treated, but also didn't seem to have a lot of self-respect or confidence saying no. It seemed like there were so many women who came forward with things and they were like, And I sort of said no, or I didn't feel comfortable being aggressive, or I felt like that would be too far. And it sort of came to me, having grown up religious and still being religious, that what religion can instill, and I think we sort of see this in these findings, is self-respect. The sense of yourself as a child of God or having a purpose related to religion or something that gives you enough respect and a sense of identity that you don't need to get that by peer validation or some of these other ways that you can get it. 
Yeah, I definitely think that touches on what we see. There's kind of a general crisis of of purpose, crisis of meaning Mm -hmm. in our culture. And I think that's reflected in some of the mass shootings that we see, frankly. Um, And, and, uh, you know, the opioid crisis, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Just like the things that we turn to when we don't have a a framework of meaning and a sense of purpose in life. Um, I definitely think this plays into it. Um, Absolutely. And I think... I think you can say that, of course, you know, no one religious or not should want to kill others. I mean, that that goes against every moral code um, in the case of the mass shootings. But you also wonder, like, does religion give um, young adults a way to cope with suffering, a meaning to suffering that maybe they are unable to find without religion? um, And hence, they're more inclined to revenge. I think the other thing and I mean, I haven't used drugs, so I can't speak to this, but, you know, both drugs and sex can sort of take you out of yourself. They can achieve some level of transcendence. I wonder if simply having religion in your life gives you a kind of transcendence or an ability to connect that maybe in a weird way people are looking for when they do things like drugs or, you know, sexual behavior. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I I, I remember watching a video uh, just recently about um, a drug a guy who was a drug addict and now he's a pastor and evangelist, but he he was like a drug addict, and he's like, yeah, actually, a lot of the fulfillment that I was seeking in drugs and the high is actually I actually now find in my spiritual life. So I think there's definitely kind of a kind of a similar thing that that we're, we're all seeking, right? right? Fulfillment and and joy. And one of the most interesting things about addiction, which of course can easily happen in cases of drugs, can sometimes happen in cases of um, sex, is you want more and more and more, and it's never enough. And of course, the only thing that is infinite um, that we see in our world is God. So I do think that some of these behaviors might be directly related to a thirst for something more and not knowing where else to find it. So... But it's definitely food for thought about raising kids. Yeah, and, and I will just add this. And I think this came up maybe in a recent podcast where um, w- w- this is happening like in the midst of the most prosperous country in world history. Right. And and we obviously we celebrate that. We celebrate the economic comeback. But I think we also see this persistent lack of meaning and, cri- and purpose even in the midst of that prosperity, which should show us we need something else. Right. And I think that's that's an interesting observation because, of course, President Trump, I remember when he gave his um, inaugural speech, he was attacked for being so negative during the campaign. Uh, I believe Clinton was really on his case and saying, like, America's doing great. Why are you saying all this? And I think it's interesting because I, I don't know if Trump consciously does this, although he certainly cares about the opioid crisis. But it almost makes me wonder if like we are very comfortable talking about economic crises and shortfalls in our politics and our discourse. We are not as comfortable, I think, talking about other kinds of cultural shortfalls. And I wonder if part of the issue here is Mm. people do feel something is missing and it just may not be money and it may not be something that politics could fix. Mm. But that Trump was tapping into a real sense of... um, yeah, lack of meaning or less meaning and um, how people felt the country was not going in the right direction. Well, that's a deep thought to end on. We'll, uh, we'll leave that's it... my specialty. <laughs> we'll let that sit for a day. Uh, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for listening to the Daily Signal podcast brought to you from the Robert H. Bruce Radio Studio at the Heritage Foundation. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play or SoundCloud. And please leave us a review or a rating on iTunes to give us any feedback. We'll see you again tomorrow. 
You've been listening to the Daily Signal podcast, executive produced by Kate Trinko and Daniel Davis. Sound designed by Michael Gooden, Lauren Evans, and Thalia Rampersad. For more information, visit dailysignal.com.